Good morning, everybody. How's everybody today? So good to see you all today. Yeah, woo! So awesome to be in the house of God today. Why don't you all stand with us today as we worship the Lord together?
I have the privilege of being in a, in a discipleship group with John. So we go to his house, we meet on Wednesday nights, and he's really just been uh, pouring into about five, six of us. And uh, he always is, uh, I don't know, giving us surprises and stuff. And a couple weeks ago, he took us to a Catholic church for a worship night they had. Um, and the thing they said, the, the priest who John knows, who he's friends with, said, oh, well, it's going to be ecumenical worship. And ecumenical is just a big word for the body of Christ just coming together, people who love God coming together. And so I come from a, a past where I was in the, the Catholic church, and I kind of had some hard feelings towards it. But that night, it was, it was really beautiful. And one thing I was challenged by is I know... A lot of people will laugh, they like stand, sit, kneel, all this craziness they tell you to do. But I hadn't been on my knees in a while to just pray. And man, it was it was powerful. Just being there, just being in God's presence. It, one thing John said is like, yeah, it takes you out of the routine of things, so you're not used to it. Um, so it really rocks you. But just just being on on your knees before the king, before God. And so now in in my time of prayer, I'm more intentional to be on my knees because one, I, then I can't fall asleep. It's a little harder to fall asleep when you're praying on your knees. But uh, just to be there in, in submission and understanding that, and being in awe of God. So I don't know what, what you guys do, but that would be my challenge to you this week. I have a daughter, so I, I had her with me and we both just got on our knees and we we prayed, but that'd be my challenge to you guys this week. In your time of prayer, just get on your knees and just just devote that time. Because there's a difference in, in praying throughout the day. When you when I'm when I'm driving at work and stuff, yeah, I can pray, but there's a difference when you're on your knees and you close your eyes and it's just you and God. There's a beauty to it. He wants us to be before him. So uh, yeah, that's just my challenge to you guys. Go into his presence because there's nothing like it. Father, I thank you for uh, every person in this room. I thank you for lovers of God all over this world in different churches and denominations. At the end of the day, we love you, Jesus, and let that shine through more than anything else. It's not about Hill City. It's not about catholic churches or whatever it's about you jesus and let us continue to exalt you as lord as god as king as savior thank you jesus and it's in your name we pray
Come on, sing hallelujah. Just the voices sing. Show me. 
That's all yours. Nobody else is going to lift up your praise to him this morning. That's right. Sing out whatever you want to him. Tell him how good he is to you. Thank him. Your breath in our lungs. 
there is no one else in this universe no one else that deserves that kind of praise God we lift you high above any praise God above anything that we could do or say we magnify you there God God let us not lose focus of why we're here let us not miss the moments that change our life one moment God that one moment where you can touch our heart and change our lives forever that one moment of surrender God we lay it at your feet right now whatever worry whatever care whatever burden we came into this place with we place it at your feet right now Lord God we exchange it we exchange those ashes, God, for happiness, for joy. God, we replace suffering with complete just jubilation. I don't even, I can't even think of a greater word, God, to be so excited in your presence. Replace our sorrow for joy today, Lord Jesus as we worship you for who you are and your greatness, God. There is no one like you, God. There will never be anyone like you, God. Great are you, Lord. One last time, let's sing. Cause it's your breath in our lungs. So we Thank you guys so much for worshiping with us. You guys can have a seat. Um, my name is Mark. Um, I get to be one of the people here, like many people here, who um, get to call this place home and family, um, and we want you guys to be a part of that. Paul asked me to do this this morning, or like yesterday. I was like, dear God, do not let me cry. Because every time I come up here, I cry. That was the first thought. And then I was like, okay, what do you actually want me to say? Um, 
See, I'm not gonna cry because I can already tell. I can feel it in me, I'm not gonna cry. A um, Couple things, uh, if you have not signed up for Life Group, sign up for a Life Group. You can do it on the app, you can do it out in the foyer. Um, it's one of the best ways, it's definitely not the only way, but it's one of the best ways to get connected, um, to get involved, to build friendships, to build um, your relationship with Christ, but you need to get involved and that is an amazing way. Um, so, I don't know all of you, I do men's group, but you're all invited. Um, I'll tell you what you need if you want, but there are a lot of good life groups out there. If you missed the uh, life group launch uh, a couple weeks ago, you can go back in line and watch that. It was really good. Um, yeah, get involved. Get plugged in. It's, it's vital for you, and it's vital for us. Um, it's how we connect. It's how we grow. Um, secondly, um, I think it's really important that we are um, always digging into our relationship like on a daily basis, like not just Sunday. Like don't just come here on Sunday and think that this is going to be enough for you because it's not. Um, you've you've got to be connected with God. Like if, if you call God your friend, right, or whatever, or if I've got my friend Paul, but I never hang out with him and I never invest in that relationship, like can I really say that we're friends? Um, you need to invest in that relationship. Um, I was reading out of, I think it's First First Samuel uh, 15, 22, and it's talking about um, Saul was going to go take out the Amalekites. And um, God gave him very specific instructions on what to do. And it was basically to take out all the Amalekites and kill everything. And he went and he did what he was supposed to, except they kept a lot of the sheep and the cow and all that stuff. And God was mad. He was like, what the heck? And um, he was like, man, I'm, I'm kind of frustrated that I made Saul king because he's kind of not been obedient in this way. He didn't do exactly what I told him to do. Um, and then so Samuel comes up to Saul and he tells him this. He's like, man, God's mad at you. He's like, I did everything that God told me to do. He's like, well, not really, you didn't. Um, and let me pull it out because otherwise I'm not gonna read it correctly. It basically says, um, sorry. Because I think it's, oh, no. It says, but Samuel replied, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To be, uh, it is better to obey than sacrifice. And so I think for us, like obedience doesn't have to be these huge things. We need to obey in the small things. Get in your word every day, pray every day. Um, but sometimes we think that we're doing what God told us to do and we're being obedient, um, but we're sometimes missing the bigger picture, which is obedience. So um, be obedient, whatever God's calling you to do. It might be hard, it might be risky, um, it might be a sacrifice, but be obedient. So with that, I'm gonna have the ushers come forward, and we're gonna pray, and then Paul's gonna kick it off with an awesome uh, sermon. So, Father God, Lord, we just thank you for today. God, we thank you for your grace and your love and your mercy. God, we get, thank you for the gift of salvation, God. I just pray that as we step into each day, God, we would put you first, God, that, that you would be Lord in our lives, God, over everything. God, that you would help us, God, when the struggle, uh, when the temptation to, to not spend time with you is pressing in, God, I pray that we would just dig deep, God, and we would hold on to you, and I pray that we would uh, just love you with our whole heart, God, and I just ask that um, as we give of our offerings, God, that it, it would... It would just be because it's what you're asking us to do, God. It's not about how much we give, God. It's always about the heart issue. So I just pray that we would be obedient to you in what we give, whether it be time, money, energy to this place, to our neighbors, God. I just pray that we would just be obedient to you. We just ask this in your name. Amen. Oh, and there's a video.
Good morning. I'm louder than Mark. <laughs> Man, I made that video. It was like a Mother's Against Drunk Driving ad or something. Um, it was so serious. <laughs> Welcome uh, to Hill City Church. Uh, if you've been with us for a while, we, we did a series called Guardrails about two years ago. And we thought it was so cool uh, that we're going to do it again. And uh, does anybody remember the Guardrail series we did? Um, if everybody took notes, right, and everybody remembers everything we ever talk about here. Uh, but uh, we thought it was so good that we're going to actually reintroduce it or um, bring it back and uh, with some new messages, some new concepts. Uh, and so I, I thought it was funny, Mark. Uh, I never thought about public speaking and, like, one thing you shouldn't do is cry. Uh, I haven't added that to the list of public speaking. Um, but you, did, you didn't cry. I'm proud of you. Uh, how's everyone doing today? Good? Good? Thank you for being at Hill City Church. Uh, man, this place wouldn't be cool without you guys. <laughs> so um, I'm going to pray real quick before I jump into guardrails. Um, but I want to say I, I love this message. I'm really excited about it, and I don't want to set the expectations too high. Um, but um, this is going to be uh, a really good message for your life. Uh, my wife and I uh, subscribe to uh, this, this message of guardrails in our life, and it's a pretty, pretty practical message. Um, but we're, we're, we're using the Bible to back it up. Amen. We're preaching the word. Uh, but this is a very applicable message. So we'll be in this series for about four to five weeks. Um, and uh, John and Candace are gone on their, their cruise. Uh, Candace's lovely mom has come to watch their kids. I was a little disappointed, Sianna. I was going to say, Sianna, you got to bring your parents to church. Um, where are they? Sianna is their daughter. So John's our, uh, our, our lead pastor and his wife, Candace, uh, and they're much on a much-needed break in the Caribbean. God, thank you for this morning. I pray that this message of guardrails would speak to us. And uh, God, we open up our hearts, our, our spiritual hearts, our minds right now uh, to be open to your word. We thank you. Um, so welcome. Good morning. And uh, well, uh, good morning online. Uh, we actually have a lot of people that, that watch online and afterwards. It's pretty cool. Um, and, and I just wanted to uh, if you guys were here last week, I think, uh, did you guys just celebrate all week about the baptisms last week? Um, probably not, but that's okay. <laughs> we should. We should, because we sing these songs about uh, coming back to life, and there were many kids and many adults that submerged themselves. You guys back there just submerged themselves literally in water, and we believe that there's something happens when you come back to life, that God, God, Jesus was baptized, he came back to life, and we believe that in the church, when you become a Christian, you go under and you come back, and there's a new life. Amen? Amen. So my wife and I recently got to go to Sweden and Norway. Uh, this is not to, to flaunt that. Um, by any means. But in, in Norway, if you're familiar with Norway, it, uh, wow, that was intense, Ray. That was good. <laughs> there was no, there was no buildup. It was just like, boom. Just kidding, man. The, uh, so show the picture of the, of Norway. So, and Norway is a beautiful country, uh, but you can see some of the roads there. They're, they're quite, uh, they're pretty intense. Uh, have you ever done a Google map search? You're going and you're, the road's fine. All of a sudden it goes dun 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 Well, you pretty much imagine it's going uphill or downhill. Or it's called switchbacks. Uh, and so with this, there's tons of guardrails on this road because if you miss the road, what's going to happen? You go, yeah, you die. <laughs> Even though it's beautiful, you'll probably die uh, rolling down those green hills. It's, you know, it's, gonna, it's not going to go well. So they put guardrails all over this road. And so... Um, uh, when we were driving on these roads, it was a little bit, uh, if you've ever been on Trail Ridge Road, anybody ever been there? Brought this up a couple years ago. Isn't that cool when there's no guardrails and you're driving and it, you look down? It's the highest road in the U.S., I think, or one of the highest roads, and you kind of look down. And if you, it's funny because the guardrail, there's, there's, there's the little white line that shows the end of the road, you know? And a lot of times there's a little margin, but there it's like grass and then, or no, there's like a cliff, <laughs> basically. No guardrails. 
Uh, and so it's a little bit, um, bit nerve-wracking. But what is a guardrail? Everybody knows what a guardrail is. Uh, kids, do you guys know what guardrails are? Yes? Okay. Well, I'm going to explain it anyway. Uh, it's a system designed to keep vehicles from straying into dangerous or off-limit areas. So uh, you have bridges. They have guardrails on them. Uh, medians that keep us safe from oncoming traffic, or maybe you going across the median if you're a distracted driver. Uh, and, then guard, and then curves, unexpected changes in the road. We have guardrails. Uh, so what do guardrails achieve? They achieve two primary things. They direct and they protect. Say it with me. Direct and protect. They direct and they protect. They follow the road pattern. They direct us to stay away from the cliff, right? It's like, oh, there's a guardrail there. I should probably stay away from the guardrail. And what do they do? They protect us in the event that we make a mistake. They will, they will not just, it won't protect you completely, um, right? You're still gonna have some damage to your car, but who would rather hit a guardrail than go off the mountain like in Norway, right? You'd probably say I'd rather hit the guardrail and destroy my vehicle. Um, but they're, they're really there for, to direct and protect. So guardrails, one thing about guardrails too is they're not, they're not placed in the danger zone, okay? That would be kind of silly, right? So you take a, a road and you have this safety zone here and this looks pretty intense, but the guardrail is not placed like off the cliff. Would that make any sense, okay? Wouldn't really help, right? So you actually place the, the, the this guardrail's a bad example because <laughs> it's like, there's probably nothing beyond that. But you can see the safety zone is here and the danger zone's over there. So if you place, nobody would argue that putting a guardrail a little bit in the safety zone is a bad thing, right? You know, like, ah, I, I could really use a little bit, another foot of road. No, you're like, put the guardrail in the safety zone, right? So it's not right next to the, to the danger zone. This reminds me of Top Gun. Da, 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 da. Kids, you know what Top Gun is? I'll just keep looking at you guys. No, you don't know what Top Gun is? Oh, it's so sad. When I asked a person the other day, a teenager, or someone in their 20s, you know who Garth Brooks is? I'm like, nope. I was like, dang it. <laughs> I have officially, yeah, yeah whatever. Um, so the highway isn't the only place that we need guardrails, okay? I say, this is important. Our greatest regrets in life could have been avoided with some personal guardrails, all right? So these could be moral guardrails, financial guardrails, professional guardrails. What are things in your life that you could have established to say, man, I wish I had a guardrail in my life personally, all right? So they're not just a physical object on a, on a road, but they're actually, uh, what this is all about is about setting, establishing personal guardrails to avoid future regrets. Um, our current, so here, this is important. Our current culture, and you could put this up, CJ, doesn't really encourage guardrails. Culture is content with painted lines, right? A lot of gray area, a lot of, well, maybe you shouldn't, like that last picture. Imagine if there was just that white painted line. Would that really be good for you? Would that really be safe if you took a, an unexpected turn or got icy and you're like, ah, oh, there was a painted line. Well, if you went beyond the painted line, what's gonna happen? Death. All right, it's a little intense. <laughs> but culture is more like, ah, eh, kind of what you think, you know, whatever you feel is right. Um, you know, a lot of gray areas, uh, something like this. So drink responsibly. That's kind of a thing we hear. Well, what does drink responsibly mean? That's subjective, right, to everybody. The person who's struggling with alcohol, they might say, well, I don't, if, uh, I don't and I'm gonna talk about alcohol today, so be prepared. Um, this message is not about alcoholism, but it's gonna be a big part of what I talk about. Uh, but the, uh, it's a good recommendation, but what does it mean? Um, if you're a person who drinks, what's the difference between being responsible and irresponsible drinking, right? It's hard to know, it's a gray line. It's a gray line. Ask a teenage boy, um, wait until you're ready. Adults, you know what I mean, right? Wait until you're ready. So I, th I think, and this is a good advice, but I, I think a, a woman came up with that. Because if you were to ask a young boy, 
wait until you're ready, they're going to say, I was born ready, right? I mean, that's going to be, that kid's like, wait until you're ready. Like, I'm ready. <laughs> Let's do this. Um, a gray line. Uh, if there's any financial people in here, consolidate your debts. Okay, that's not really the best financial advice, but it's a gray area, right? It's not like don't go into debt or if you're hardcore like Dave Ramsey, it's like just consolidate them and you'll be good. Um, so our culture has a general resistance to rules and it kind of disses guardrails. It disses hardcore stance in an area of your life that says, well, maybe you can bend it. Let's not be legalistic. Even in the church, I think we struggle with this a little bit. Uh, but who here has heard of the Billy Graham rule? The Billy Graham rule. All right, you're probably, you'll probably know what it is when I say what it is because uh, you're like, well, I know... Who, it, it, do you guys know who Billy Graham is? Oh, it's okay. All right. I'll stop picking on your kids, Natalie. I'm just, they're 0 for 3, but that's okay. No, okay. Uh, so the Billy Graham rule is something like this. Uh, he was, uh, as you guys know, he's, in my opinion, one of the greatest men uh, to live in our modern timeline, or modern uh, time. Uh, history. He's, uh, is he still alive? I apologize. He, did he, okay. That's, I shouldn't have asked that question. That's weird. But I know he's, he's older. His wife has passed, right? And he's, he's, he was an amazing man, and he's, uh, let's not, I just want to take a step out to, to time, let's not forget our, th those who who've have gotten older, amen? Man, I mean, this man is amazing, and now he's frail, he's in a wheelchair, and you'd think, like, what is, what is his life, you know? But the way, things that he did in his life were absolutely incredible. So Billy Graham had a rule, though. He was basically the top evang uh, evangelist in the world that went all over the world and preached the gospel and saw many hundreds of thousands, probably millions of men and women saved and accept Jesus into their life. So he would not ride a car alone with a woman. He would not ride in an elevator with a woman. Uh, he wouldn't meet exclusively with a woman. He would basically would not meet alone with a woman. And th that, was, uh, that was his stance. Right? It took him out and, and re basically removed the, the temptation that we'd have so that he could never be accused of any sort of adulterous or any sort of shady um, activities with other women. So, um, and so many married women have applied this for years. In fact, our, our VP, uh, Mike Pence, has this rule, um, and he's been mocked for it. He's been criticized. Um, a lot of our administration has been mocked and criticized, but Mike Pence has specifically been mocked and criticized for this to say that's really disenfranchising women. Um, and and uh, so I want to talk about this a little bit. Um, this is going to be a little, a little uh, I don't know if it's uncomfortable, uh, comfortable, but there was a Harvard Business Review article. Uh, I love Harvard Business Review. Not a Christian read or anything, but Harvard Business Review is amazing. And they did a whole uh, article about the Billy Graham rule. And it was titled, Men Shouldn't Refuse to Be Alone with Female Colleagues. All right? And it was really... Um, created based on, or this article was written because of the Billy Graham rule. And it made the argument that uh, men, many men have made this decision to say, I'm going to set up this guardrail in my life. All right, you'll see where I'm going here. That is a guardrail. I'm going to make a hard stance and say, I'm not going to meet with women alone. All right. And the article, and I'm not here to actually diss on the article. It actually brings up a lot of good, uh, a lot of good points. Uh, but I think they mis miscategorize the intent of the, of the Billy Graham rule and what men have done. And it makes the argument that women uh, have been disenfranchised, left out of current meetings, like a, a couple good old boys, right, meeting at the bar after work, and they're talking about promotions. They're talking about where they're going with the company. And because men have made the decision, like, I don't know, you made the decision, well, what if Marcy wanted to join you? Like, bad example, but... Well, you say, no, I don't want to be with women. Well, that leaves a amount of promotions and future opportunities, right? So, uh, and I actually understand that. We're going to come back to this in a week. Um, but what, the, what they come to at the end of the article is this then. So what's an evolved male leader to do, right? If, are they supposed to meet with the women or not? What, are they supposed to violate their own guardrail, or guardrail? In the simplest terms, it says, become what we call a thoughtful caveman. 
Um, I'm not sure what a thoughtful caveman is, uh, but that's what they said to do. And then the next part is, is good. Healthy, mature, self-aware men understand and accept their distinctly made neural architecture. Did you guys understand that? No? <laughs> Translate that? I don't think I can, but that's okay. Uh, I'm not really sure what that means, but let me ask you this, and this one's for the women. Uh, how many of these are there? Go to the next slide. Healthy, mature, self-aware men. A few of those? <laughs> okay, that's, that's kind of, I'm not trying to rip on men, sorry. Uh, but this is a, it's a rare find, right, to find a healthy, mature, self-aware men uh, that they can really do that um, and, and have this guardrail. So I would say this, that um, those men who are healthy, mature, self-aware men and, aware, and distinctly made uh, or accept their distinctly made neural architecture, they probably don't need a guardrail, right? They probably are good, they understand it, and they're good. But the other 99.99%, I would say, uh, of men and women need to uh, establish some, some healthy guardrails in their life to avoid future regret, all right? So here's the point. Um, it's not that I'm against this HBR, this uh, Harvard Business Review article. I think they miscategorize it, and I think it's this, though, that culture will, if as a Christian and as a person in the church, if you set a, a healthy guardrail in your life, culture is going to question that and say, do you really need that guardrail? It's a gray area. It's not necessary. Um, it's legalistic. It's a Christian thing. But my argument today is that the Bible actually tells us to set boundaries and standards in our life, and so I'm going to go through that a little bit. Amen? All right, so this isn't a new concept. This is not something that I've just, like, you know, came out of uh, and, and, and uh, derived from the Bible. Uh, the Old Testament, uh, the New Testament, both talk about standards and boundaries. Uh, and so we're going to go through that today. And uh, we're going to flip to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. Okay, as John likes to say, we celebrate the Word of God. Um, and so, uh, oops, that was not good. The, uh, so the Apostle Paul, this is Apostle Paul. He wrote, um, he's kind of a big deal in the New Testament. He wrote several books. And this is one where he goes to the church in Ephesus, and he's talking to them. And he's uh, talking about some right and wrong things. And I think he, he realizes li his listeners need a, little, a, a few specifics, and not just do this, don't do that, do this, don't do that, but kind of break it down like why are we doing all this. All right. So in Ephesians 5.15, he says, be careful then how you live. Be careful then how you live. Live in the, in the, in the Greek here literally means walk. Um, doesn't mean like how you physically live or how you're just living, but how are you walking? Um, be careful then how you live. Uh, I know in my own yard, uh, I have to go out sometimes to uh, pick something up and I have a big dog. And if you know what I mean, I have to be careful where I walk sometimes. Anybody else have a big dog? Because my kids never pick up his business and I ask them to. Um, but I have to be careful where I walk, all right? That's what he's saying here. Be careful then how you live. doesn't mean be safe or don't take a risk. He says, be careful then how you live. Um, be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Say it again, but not as unwise, but as so wisdom serves as a template for decision-making in the Old and New Testament. Uh, we are called to walk wisely. We're not called to walk right and wrong, I mean, that's how I think we look, look at us Christians. We're actually called to walk wisely, all right? And there's a difference here. So I love this statement. Here's a good framework for how to walk, how to walk wisely or how to make decisions wisely, all right? And uh, in light of my past experience, my current circumstance, and my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing to do? I'm going to say it again. In light of my past experience, knowing who you are, 
what behaviors you've done, right? You kind of know yourself uh, by the time you're uh, in your uh, 37, 38. I feel like I'm just starting to learn who I am now. In light of my past experience, my current circumstance, what's going on, and my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing for me to do? I love it because it talks about the past, present, and future a little bit and gives you a framework to, to figure out how can I make a wise decision in this, okay? Um, so this is what he's saying. He's saying living, living wisely. And we'll talk about this a little bit more. Well, you can't just say live wisely and understand it. What are some examples of that? Oh, you scared me, Brian. Hold on, I'm going to get some water. So here we go. Be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. This is literally saying redeeming time, that not wasting time. Uh, in Psalm, go to the next, uh, in Psalm um, 90, 12, I think is what it is. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Okay, so when you think about your life and in light of my past experience, my current circumstance, my future hopes, dreams, there's got to be this time kind of wrapped around it, like create some level of urgency on your life. Amen. So uh, don't waste your time. Pay attention to how fast time flies. Everybody always says it and it's always this negative thing. And I think like, I think we're always, does everyone feel like stop the time? You know, time is ticking away, tick, tick, ticking away. Um, and I feel like we, we kind of look at it that way and we, we, it's always, it's a bit of a negative thing as opposed to, man, I really, it's, it's motivating us to, to seize the day and really get up and, and to make the most of every opportunity. So uh, be careful then how you live, not as unwise, uh, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. And I know if you're <laughs> a little older, you're like, the days are evil, and it feels that way. Um, I would say that it's also translated to uh, the, the word crazy is another word. The days are crazy, and uh, you have to be careful what's going on around you. Uh, so let me ask a question. How many of you have been to defensive driving class? You don't have to raise your hand. I was just kidding. No. <laughs> I've been a defensive driving class. Everybody, all right, most of you have been. Come on, don't lie. All right, we're like, so um, if you go to defensive driving class, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's always a really humbling, awesome experience, isn't it? Like, oh, gosh, yeah. This is so fun. I get to learn about being defensive. Uh, so defensive driving, though, uh, and to be a driver in general, it's, it's really about what's going on around you. It's not so much what you're doing. Defensive driving is, in what it says, defensive, knowing what's, being aware of what's going around you, right? What are the road conditions? Is there a lot of traffic? Uh, is there a distracted driver? Have you ever seen any of those? Like every single day? Is there an inebriated driver? That's terrifying. Is someone on their cell phone eating a hamburger while doing their makeup? A few of those. Please don't be this driver. I gotta say one thing real quick. Uh, iOS, uh, the new iPhone just came out with a new operating system. It has a setting that when you start moving or if you're connected to Bluetooth in your car, it automatically goes on silent mode. It means you won't get texts, you won't be able to make calls, all those things. Public statement, I'm not advocating for Apple. Android probably had this 10 years ago because they're way ahead. But uh, <laughs> put that on your phone, please. Oh my gosh, I can't believe how many people I see uh, distracted. All right, I'll shut up. That got really quiet. We won't talk about that again. Be careful how you live because you live in a dangerous environment. Look out for other drivers. It's not enough to just pay attention uh, to what you're doing, but what other people are doing. That's what defensive driving is all about, that somebody's going to make a mistake, somebody's going to cross the line, and what are you doing in your life to, it says right here, in the, it, because making the most of our opportunity, it says live carefully, as wise, unwise, not as unwise, but as wise, because the days are crazy or evil. All right, therefore, 
do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. I love Paul here. He's kind of just like, understand. You know, Kristen, it's like, understand. You're like, oh, okay, because you yelled at me and said, understand, I got it. Right? It's kind of an imperative or a bit of a command, like just get it. And I think what he's saying here is he's speaking to the church of Ephesus, and he's saying um, this, understand what the Lord's will is. It's a little bit like, come on, man, you know. You know what the Lord's will is, Matthew. You know. You know you. I'm not trying to, like, actually point at you, but honestly, God's telling me, you know you. You know what the Lord's will is in your life. And uh, if you're a new Christian, no worries. Like, okay, I wouldn't say understand and be so declarative about it. But to the, the author here is speaking to mature Christians, the church, and saying, understand what the Lord is. Don't be foolish. You know what to do. Amen? You got this? Um, if you're a Christian, face up to what God's will is for your life. You know you're dancing on the line. You know on that picture I had, you're like right there on the edge, you know, uh, flirting with disaster, a few near misses. Come on, be honest. You know you. Um, so then Paul goes into this, okay, uh, this kind of one, one thing leads to another. So I feel like he's laid the framework. He says, you know, live carefully, live as wisely. The times, you know, the days are numbered. Don't be foolish. All right, the days are evil, all these things. So then he kind of goes into this specific example. And I, and I don't know why he went this way, but he says it's a, it, this is a one thing leads to another. So say one thing leads to another. This is a one thing leads to another example that Paul goes into. So he says this, um, Ephesians 5.18. Here's what it means to walk in wisdom. All right, so he's giving an example. Do not get drunk on wine. All right, and let me just be specific here, or let me, let me say something. Uh, in the, in the ancient times, water, wine was actually safer than water, right? Now, you know, obviously we have pure water. I don't, we never have to worry about what's coming out of the tap. Um, we, I mean, maybe, I don't, I don't think so. Not in this country. You know, other people, unfortunately, still don't have fresh water. It's a whole other subject. But even back in ancient times, uh, back 2,000 years ago, drinking wine or wined water was actually safer than the water. Because the water would get still, it would, it would sit there, and they knew that if it sat there long enough and they drank it, they could die or get really sick. So wine made you drunk, but water made you dead. So you're kind of like, well, I think I'll do the wine, right? All right, but it was really wined water. It's not like, I think wine now has like 15% alcohol by volume. I think back then it was about 4%, 3%. So just keep that in mind. They had to drink a lot of wine to get drunk. They were really, um, you know, hydrated. <laughs> um, so, in, uh, so I just want to make sure you guys knew that. Um, so there was, uh, people drank wine. Um, and I'll just say this, Hill City Church, we, we, don't, we don't speak, we don't think it's wrong to drink alcohol, all right? We're not promoting it by any means. Please, I'll go into this a little bit in my own life, all right? But I just want to make sure you guys understood where we stood theologically uh, and biblically um, on, on drinking wine, alcohol, et cetera. But, um, but here, this is really important. Do not get in drunk on wine, which leads to, okay, this is a, one thing leads to another. All right, getting drunk on wine leads to, and I want you guys to fill in the blank. Uh, take away that debauchery real quick, because uh, what the heck is debauchery? We'll get there in a second. <laughs> but getting drunk on wine leads to, in your own life, what has is, what is that led to? DUIs. All right. Does any someone come to mind? Anything come to mind? Um, my life would be completely different. Uh, some of the worst decisions of my life were being drunk on wine, all right? And I'm sure most people can answer that, uh, unless you're just like, hey, I just get drunk and make really good decisions. Um, I don't think that happens, all right? Uh, 
I'm the opposite. Uh, my life would be different, my parents' life. Uh, I grew up in an alcoholic home. If my dad had this as a guardrail in his life, which he did, and uh, it doesn't mean, I want to make sure I, um, let, me, let me table that for a second, but I want to say if, that's a guardrail, if that was a guardrail in his life, uh, my life would be completely different. My parents may not have split up, and I'm not taking anything from the, marrying, my, or marrying my, my beautiful stepfather, but being drunk on wine led to so many things, right? And Paul's getting at this for a reason, all right? Um, the problem isn't getting drunk. Uh, and I, I just, uh, again, whew, this is going to get serious for about 10 seconds. If somebody says, if more than one person says you drink too much, you do. If more than one person says you drink too much, you do. All right, let's come back. <laughs> so the problem with getting drunk is what it leads to, right? Um, drunk is the guardrail. That's what he's saying. Don't get drunk. That's the guardrail. Don't get drunk. The world will say, eh, it's okay. It's a painted line. It's gray area. It's okay. You know, you'll be fine. You're just having fun just watching the Broncos. Um, and I, I think drunk is the guardrail. For some of you, it might be the goal to get drunk. Um, and I know that. Uh, I think it, we think it's funny a little bit. But we laugh until, uh, you know, a woman, a woman gets punched. Uh, someone veers across the median. Mom or dad. Um, are passed out on the couch. Every, there's a college student who went through and had fun at all the parties, right? We're playing beer pong, we're having fun. And all of a sudden, everybody else has quit. And the college student saying, I can't quit. Um, what had become a pastime now has the potential to ruin my life. It was so fun, it was so innocuous, it was so harmless. And now it's become the thing that can destroy my life. Don't you think that those people wish that getting drunk was a guardrail? That young person earlier in life, they could set that personal guardrail and say, I'm not going to set it in the danger zone where it's like I'm just getting a little bit drunk. I'm going to set it in the safe zone where I stay. I maybe have a few drinks or a drink or no drinks. Ever heard of that? No drinks. And I'm going to set that in my personal life so that I know that's a guardrail so that I don't get drunk, which leads to fill in the blank. So, and I, I want you to look at this, in the, in, and, I'll, and I'll leave this, I'm about to get off the, the drunk thing, but um, the, the alcohol thing, but again, in light of my past experiences, for me personally, I'll speak from my own experience, in light of my past experiences and my father and his father and his father, who are um, strong Germans, alcoholics, you know, I know everybody in their life probably is, is knows somebody or has, is married to someone or has children that are struggling with it or whatever that are struggling either with drug use or alcohol. In light of my past experiences that I know that it's in my family, my own propensities, my current circumstance of what's going on, am I stressed out? Do I feel like I deserve this? You know, whatever it is and what's going on. But my future hopes and dreams lead me to say, you know what? This doesn't, this, I need this guardrail in my life. I need this guardrail in my life that I say, you know what? No more than one drink. That's my guardrail, just so you guys know. Um, you know, I say that, and so I know my guardrail. If I put that too much over, I don't know. I don't know. But I want that personal guardrail in my life so I can have that defensive living, that defensive driving, if you will, so I know what's going on. The days are evil so that I know in my life that I can avoid future regret. Amen? All right. So then he goes on, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. All right, debauchery. Do we ever use that in our culture? Man, they're being debaucherous. Uh, it primarily means sexual indulgence, okay? And I, I mean, you can probably say a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of things, you know, a lot of uh, 
drunk on wine leads to debauchery, but it's really about any kind of indulgence due to lack of control or loss of self-control. That alcohol, drugs, others just totally bring down those walls. And it's like, whoa, where do we go here? So, um, so we'll move on. But guardrails, here we go. Let's bring it back. At the end of the day, guardrails safeguard us from handing over control of our lives to someone or something else. It's really a proactive way to live life. Um, and so um, they'll safeguard you and your family from handing over control to someone or something else. Um, and another place, Paul, I love how Paul says this. He says, do not be mastered by anything or anybody. And I think guardrails allow you to, to put those in place so that you're not mastered by something in the future. That you say, you know what? I had this in place. It didn't even, I didn't even give alcohol. I'm just going to focus on the alcohol, the chance to master me because I had that guardrail in place. Amen? <clears throat> So I'm going to finish this up here. Um, if, you're not a, if you're not a Christian or Jesus following or anybody online, um, you might look at me and kind of say, this is common sense. You're kind of talking about like defensive living and, you know, like being smart and being wise and like, you know, having good decisions in your life. Uh, and so, um, you know, I feel a little bit bad about some of the decisions I've made and um, a little bit regretful. Um, but, but here Paul changes his tone a little bit. So he's it's very practical, right? The days are evil, live wise, walk carefully, or, you know, walk wisely, live carefully, all these things. But then he dips into his faith a little bit uh, because Paul had, had uh, believed in early, one of the earlier ones that Jesus had actually died and rose from the dead and came back, and he was one of the first believers. And this is Paul who used to kill Christians, okay? And he believed in Jesus. He believed in the spirit of God that was left behind when Jesus, uh, when Jesus went up to heaven. He left back the Holy Spirit. So he says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, so here's where he's like, don't, it's not just don't do that. Instead, what? Be filled with the spirit. All right, when you became a Christian, for those Christians in the room, um, there, was a, there was something that happened, all right? It's a bit mysterious, uh, and I'm not trying to scare any non-Christians in here, but there's something that happens in your life where God comes in and almost takes, takes hold of your conscience. And I believe that's, uh, not, not, not controls it, but there's a, there's a sort of nudging and prompting of the Holy Spirit in your life when you accept Christ. In. And it might manifest itself as sort of like a, should I do that? And it's kind of like this, mm-mm-mm. You know, it's kind of like a, not just like a, eh, I feel bad if I do that, but it's, it's deeper than that. It's a conviction. Well, we, we use this big word called conviction, <laughs> but this, should I turn here and go to this party? Mm-mm-mm. Should I go over to her house, you know, at 11 o'clock at night? Mm-mm-mm. Should I have that fourth drink? Mm. And I want us to be aware of that and be tapped into what Paul says here, be filled with the Spirit. Amen. That there's decisions in your life, and there's a road that you're passing, and all of a sudden a curve comes in, and what's that guardrail in your life that's going to prevent you or keep you on the road? And I want us to, uh, at the end of the day, uh, so I'm going to read this one more time. Be careful, then, how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Amen. Gio, can you come up to the piano? Uh, He's all over it. Um, and I'll say this, nobody plans to wreck their lives, right? You ever like young, you know, young like Natalie, like your kids here, and they're like, I want to wreck my life when I get older, right? I just want to live really poorly and really unwisely and make horrible decisions. And, uh, that's my goal is just to live as reckless as possible. Um, I don't think we say that, right? We, we see our parents. We see kind of what, 
what, what, what flourishing looks like as a human uh, as we grow up and what we believe, like what we aspire to. The issue, though, is a lot of times we don't plan not to wreck our lives. We don't plan to wreck our car as, you know, as much as you plan to wreck your life. Nobody wants to do that, Diego, right? But what are we doing as we grow older in our young walks and as a young teenager, as a young adult, even my age, you know, in your 40s, 50s, elderly, whatever, what are you doing in your life to ensure that you don't mess up? What are you establishing in your life to live carefully? So guardrails are the equivalent of defensive living. I'll be careful, right? That's when you hand your kids the, the keys to the car, What's the, you know, be careful. That must be a terrifying moment for parents who've had their kids drive that keys the first time. It's like, oh God. You're not actually worried about the other drivers, you're actually worried about that you're going, you know, your own kid. But it's like, I'll be careful, I'll be careful, right? Guardrails in your life, personal guardrails is how you be careful. Just as Paul was saying, live carefully, walk wisely. You will discover it's much easier to discern God's will with guardrails than without. And the reason is this, stepping away from what can harm you is a step toward the one who loves you. So at the end of the day, this series is not about becoming better people. This is not about like self-help and like, just stop drinking, just stop doing that thing, you know? It's easy, just stop. Um, I don't, this, this could easily sort of parlay into a, dis, a discussion around addiction and other things like that. Okay, we're not gonna tackle that today. But in the end of the day, is about proactive living, defensive living, if you will, and establishing those guardrails in your life to avoid that future regret. I know I'm sounding repetitive here, but I want you guys to get this. But at the end of the day, this entire series is not about doing it by yourself. It's about living surrendered lives to the Spirit of God. That when we can wake up and we can say, I want to live wisely, I want to live, clear, uh, live carefully so that I'm filled with the Spirit. God, may I become more filled with your Spirit, more dependent on who you are, God, more, more dependent on the Spirit of God that will not only just proactively set the uh, guardrail, but really supernaturally give me the strength to establish that guardrail. So at the end of the day, this is about you. And this is about your own guardrails, but it's not just about you. Amen. Um, so final question is this, can we do that, uh, what was the song, uh, the bridge, the second song, all, all the earth will shout your name. Can you guys play that? You might have to change keys. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> can we play Justin Bieber? No, just kidding. I'm really feeling it. <laughs> Which one? So let me say this and then get ready, Jen, to come into that. Where do you need to start? Uh, what do you need to face up to and be honest about you? At some point, you need to face this uh, in that in this in the in in the alcohol thing. What, where is that? Where's that guardrail for you? For some, many of us, I would say, don't drink. All right, many of us, I'd say, don't do it. Um, uh, and it's okay too, though. But at the same time, don't tell me your guardrail is 10 drinks in. <laughs> is that living carefully? Is that living wisely? Like, I'm good. I got it. I'm just at home. I'm just sitting here. And I'm like, yeah, you're sitting there by yourself. Uh, I'll, I'll stop. But I just want to say, like, man, that is not living wisely. That is not living carefully. It's not living by the Spirit. Amen? And so there's many other guardrails we could talk about, but where are you flirting with disaster in your life? A relationship, professionally, morally, substance, etc. Where does that look like in your life?
And will you be open to the next uh, few weeks and the spirit of God and the guardrails God wants to establish in your life? What are those things that maybe you, you know about yourself? Like I said, you know you, Phil. What are those things that you need to do in your life to establish those guardrails so that when future curves, bridges, medians, whatever it may be, are coming down, that you're in a place where you say, man, I'm glad I established that guardrail in my life. God, keep us. Keep us. Sing this song, guys. Can you stand with me? And let's sing this anthem of praise. Um, and then we'll close right after that. I'll, I'll pray us out. Great are you, Lord. Come on. Let's finish this with some worship. Come on, all the earth. All the earth shout your grace and mercy, God, give us wisdom to know what to do. God, we ask to be filled with your spirit. This is ultimately how we can walk wisely and live carefully. God, we want our lives to glorify you, glorify you, this big Christian word, God. It, just, it means make, it means uh, make you well known, God, and speak well of you, God, that as Christians, so often we get criticized of being uh, Christians and flawed and all these things. But God, I pray that we establish guardrails in our lives so that we could live carefully, walk wisely, God, to make you known, God, and, and speak well of you. God, we love you. We love you. And uh, I just want to, um, if this message made sense to you or if you want to 
um, be prayed for. Um, I want to uh, offer the, uh, the gospel to you this morning that God sent his son, Jesus, over 2,000 years ago so that we might live, that we might be saved, and he died for our sins. Our sins are those shortcomings, those failings in our life that we know we can never be good enough. And if you'd like to uh, accept Jesus this morning um, as Lord and Savior of your life, Lord and Savior, what does that mean? It means the, 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 the biggest person in your life, the most important thing in your life. And if that's you this morning, you want to, to uh, enter into a relationship with God, uh, would you raise your hand this morning? Thank you. We've got hands up. Anybody else? Anybody else this morning? That'd be bold enough to raise their hand. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. I'm going to pray. God, I thank you for these hands that went up. I thank you for your spirit that's in this place, God. At the end of the day, we can do all the, all the wise living and, and living carefully, God, and setting these guardrails in our life. But at the end of the day, God, we need your spirit. God, that's stronger than any guardrail. That's stronger than any proactive thing we could do in our life. God, we need your spirit. We need your helper. And God, we need you to be in our lives. I pray for these people that raise their hands, Father. God, we thank you for that acknowledgement. God, that that's just, this is not trivial, that we, we accept you as Jesus today. We accept you as Lord in our lives. And God, we will spend the rest of our lives giving back to you. We acknowledge that you died for our sins. Oh, God, let us never forget that, that you sent your son and had a plan for humanity. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can you give these people a hand who raise their hands? Amen. Um, if, if anybody needs prayer, needs to talk, uh, we're up here as the team. Um, I'll stay up here for a few minutes. And uh, I'll say this. I'll leave you with this. Join us next week. We're going to continue on guardrails. Message number two. And we're going to be talking about proximity. Proximity mean why can't we be friends? And we're going to talk about per, uh, relationships in your life um, that uh, maybe we should have, have personal guardrails up um, to continue on the guardrail series. So with that, God bless you guys. Have a good day. Don't forget, Life Group sign up. Have a great week.